Vietnam War, Battle of Khe San ignites as Yanks eat Nam cake. Concord makes its grand farewell as Bahrain says passenger. Rebel Abbasid rebels flee after beer keg bursts in bar fight near Basra. Plus, coming up, Julius Caesar gives a stand-up at the Colosseum. He asks, what's the difference between my wife and a polar bear? One of them has hair on her teeth. And later, a fabulous array of zit tattoos, as Frank Sinatra will be at your crotch from this time next month. Those are the headlines. I don't know how much more of this I can take. News bang, biting the hand that feeds it lies forever and ever and ever. Mm. 1968. Tonight, we return to the Vietnam War, where it's all gone pear-shaped for the Yanks again. The North Vietnamese People's Army, fed up with the Americans' gate-crashing their country, decided to teach them a lesson they'd never forget. In an a daring move straight out of commando, they attacked Khe San Combat Base in Quang Tri Province. Naughty Turt. The year was 1968, and the world held its breath as U.S. Marines fought off wave after wave of communist baddies. Private Jones, who was there, said, It was like number one screaming death day out there. With supplies running low and morale even lower, General Costa called for reinforcements. But it was too late. They were surrounded by hordes of Viet Cong and their Russian backers. The battle raged on for weeks or months, no one could tell because they'd lost their watches in a card game, until finally in 1975, South Vietnam waved the white flag made from surrendered underpants. Today marks a dark day in American history books, which have been rewritten to say they won anyway. Mm, 1976. Concord, the supersonic marvel of the skies, has been grounded for good today. The decision to retire the Anglo-French aviation wonder was met with disbelief and a whimper from its legion of fans. First taking to the skies in 1969, Concord was ahead of its time like a randy aeronautical Austin Powers. It could cross the Atlantic in just three hours, or as it's known in economy class, Tuesday. The iconic plane was jointly developed by Sud Aviation and British Aircraft Corporation, who also brought us the slightly moist Comet and the Backfire. Concord's sleek lines and ear-splitting sonic booms made it an instant hit with those who could afford tickets costing more than a small principality. However, tragedy struck in 2000 when an Air France Concorde crashed into a hotel in Paris, killing all on board except for one American tourist who complained about his omelette being runny. The incident led to safety concerns and an end to commercial flights. Today marks the end of an era. Concorde will be missed by celebrities and billionaires alike. Unless Richard Branson has his way with his new supersonic business jet, Virgin Galactic Minibar. Utawas Dutin. 763. In the year of our Lord, 763, the Abbasid Caliphate, a family so related to Muhammad they were practically in-laws, overthrew the Umayyad Caliphate. They set up shop in Baghdad, turning it into a bustling hub of science, culture and learning, or as we call it today, a bit posh. Meanwhile, the Hassanids, led by Aladdin's lesser-known brother Hassanid, were not happy. They staged an uprising known as the Alid Revolt, the insurrection spread like wildfire across Iraq. Well, Basra, actually. But their cries for justice fell on deaf camels' ears. Fast forward to present day and Iraq is at it again. This time planning to build a naval base in Four Peninsula. 
Critics have called this move daft, silly and ridiculous, pointing out that Iraq is landlocked and most of their navy consists of inflatable dinghies with outboard motors nicked from Jordan. Undeterred, Saddam Hussein denies everything. News bang, running up that hill to bite the hand that feeds the hounds of deception. Presenting your weather forecast for tomorrow, Shakanaka Giles. Tomorrow's weather, the day after this very one, brings a bit of a mix. In the southeast, it'll be a day of mist and fog, just like the first whispers of an old secret. Visibility will be low, so keep your wits about you and your eyes peeled. Moving up to the Midlands, we've got a bit of rain on the cards. It's not quite as dramatic as the opening scene of Titanic, but it might wet your whistle. In Wales, things are looking up. A bright and sunny day awaits you like a golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. The northwest is in for a treat too. The clouds are parting to reveal clear skies and a crisp chill in the air. It's perfect for those who love the crunch of frost under their boots. And finally, Scotland and Northern Ireland can expect some snowfall. It's not quite Narnia, but it might feel like it if you squint hard enough. Oh, so there you have it. A little bit of everything for tomorrow, tomorrow's weather. Stay warm, stay dry, and remember to enjoy the great outdoors. And that's all the weather. Mm. 1968. In a stark reminder of the chilling days of the Cold War, a B-52 bomber laden with nuclear weapons plummeted to Earth near Thule Air Base in Greenland. The ensuing detonation and dispersal of the payload led to localized radioactive contamination, casting a pall over the pristine Arctic landscape. Fast forward to present day, and Thule Air Base is now known as Pituffik Space Base, serving as the northernmost bastion of the United States Space Force. Its mission remains steadfast, safeguarding missile warning and space surveillance capabilities. But what became of those radioactive remnants? Our reporter Brian Bastable has been investigating. Blasting live from Thule, the frostbitten lip of hell itself, I'm surrounded by swirling blizzards and rampaging polar bears. The air tastes like burning reindeer, the ground beneath my feet is frozen tofu. It was a routine flight until it wasn't. A B-52, its gut filled with atomic dynamite, plummeted to earth in a sickening dive that made my stomach lurch like a one-legged dog on an icy pavement. The bomb bay doors yawned open and vomited forth its deadly cargo, glowing balls of radioactive doom raining down on us all, but we were ready for them. Our nuclear defense protocols kicked into high gear as we donned our lead underpants and dived headfirst into snowdrifts thick enough to swallow trucks whole. Thule Air Base has become Pitufik Space Base now, home to missile warning systems so powerful they can hear your thoughts before you have them or see tomorrow's weather forecast in last week's raindrops. 
This is where space meets ice cream sundaes and mushroom clouds bloom brighter than any aurora borealis display could ever hope to be seen by human eyes alone. Yet amidst this chaos lies beauty, the quiet grace of particles dancing their final dance before becoming something else entirely different yet somehow still familiar. Because everything eventually becomes everything else if you wait long enough and squint just right at the skyline when it shimmers like liquid mercury during twilight hours at this most northerly point on Earth, where time itself seems uncertain about whether it should tick forward or back depending on who asks first, God or Satan. It matters not which deity wins this battle of wills for here in Thule, there are no winners or losers, but only survivors clutching onto life with bloodied fingernails while trying desperately not to look down lest they fall through thin ice into black water below, teeming with things best left unseen by mortal eyes. Brian Bastable reporting live from Patuffic Space Base, wishing you pleasant dreams. 2011. In a shocking turn of events, the Albanian capital of Tirana has become the epicenter of civil unrest as demonstrators took to the streets in response to alleged corruption within the government. The catalyst, a leaked video implicating the deputy prime minister in a sordid web of deceit. The result? Three lives tragically lost at the hands of the Republican Guard. The deputy prime minister, tainted by the scandal, has since stepped down. Yet the protests, fueled by outrage over corruption, unemployment and poverty, continue to rage like the sunny, wet climate of Tirana itself. And for more on this developing story, we now turn to our correspondent, Ken Shit. It's a cold evening in the heart of Tirana, where the scent of revolution hangs heavy in the air. A thick fog of discontent, birthed from the bowels of a nation riddled with corruption, has engulfed the city. A leaked video, a cinematic masterpiece of the Deputy Prime Minister's involvement in a corrupt deal, served as the fuse to this explosive situation. The resulting detonation was the killings of three brave souls, protesters who dared to challenge the establishment. The Republican Guard, a group of men sworn to protect the very individuals who are the architects of this cesspool of corruption, were the ones who pulled the trigger but they were just the pawns in this twisted game of power and greed. The Deputy Prime Minister, realizing the jig was up, tendered his resignation, a move as meaningless as rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. But the true heroes of this tale are the opposition parties, the fearless freedom fighters who organized these demonstrations. They braved the bitter cold, the wet and the sunny, the poverty and the unemployment all to stand up against the tyranny of corruption. Tirana, the pulsating heart of Albania, now beats with the rhythm of change. The winds of revolution are blowing strong, my friends. And if you listen closely, you can almost hear the death rattle of the old guard as they desperately cling to their crumbling thrones. This is Ken Shit signing off on Newsbang. Adieu. 1997. In a development that has sent shockwaves through the American political landscape, Newt Gingrich, the Speaker of the House, has been reprimanded for ethics violations. The U.S. House of Representatives, the body responsible for passing federal legislation 
and possessing exclusive powers such as initiating revenue bills and impeaching federal officers, took this unprecedented step. Gingrich, who served as the 50th Speaker from 1995 to 1999, now faces the ignominy of being the first Speaker to be disciplined in this manner. For more on this unfolding saga, we turn to our reporter, Hardiman Pesto. I'm here with the Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, you've just been reprimanded by the House. Any comment? Pesto, what's the latest from Capitol Hill? Has Gingrich resigned yet? No, Martin. Speaker Gingrich is still in office. I asked him if he plans to step down. He said, I will continue to faithfully serve the people who elected me. Did you ask him about the ethics violations? Receiving nearly $3.00 in bogus course development fees from GOPAC sure sounds unethical to me. I did ask him about that. He denied any wrongdoing and said the fees were for actual work he performed. Actual work? He taught a college course called Renewing American Civilization that was just a thinly veiled effort to recruit people to the Republican Party. The man is shameless. Well, he claims it was a legitimate scholarly endeavor, though attendance was quite low. Low attendance at a fake course he wasn't qualified to teach, and he took almost $3.00 for it. This is outrageous. What was the vote on the reprimand? The vote was 395 to 28. Overwhelming bipartisan condemnation of his unethical behaviour. Has he given any indication that he'll resign? No. He remains defiant. He said, I will continue to be the Speaker and fight for the Conservative reforms the people elected us to make. Good Lord. His brazen arrogance is mind-boggling. Any other comments from the Speaker? He did say one other thing, he said, and Martin Bang wouldn't know ethical behaviour if it bit him in the... Well, we better leave it there. I cannot believe you let him get away with that pesto. You should have grilled him until he melted down live on the air. Honestly, must I think of everything around here? Sorry, Martin. He, he took me by surprise. Surprise is no excuse. Get back in there and don't leave until you get his resignation or an on-air mental breakdown. Either one works for me. Go. I'm on my way. Hardiman Pesto, live from Washington, D.C. 2017. The year is 2017 and the world has witnessed a remarkable display of unity and solidarity. The Women's March, a global protest, has made history as the largest single-day demonstration in the United States. This unprecedented gathering advocates for legislation and policies concerning women's rights, immigration reform, healthcare reform, and LGBTQ rights. The collective voice of participants echoes one resounding message to the new administration. Women's rights are human rights. Human rights are moral principles that apply to all individuals and should be respected by everyone. Now we turn to our correspondent Melody Wintergreen for an in-depth report on this extraordinary event. The streets are a sea of pink, a tidal wave of tapestry with one message woven through its crest. Women's rights are human rights. The year is 2017, and history is being stitched together by the hands of millions worldwide. The Women's March, a patchwork of passion and protest, has unfurled as the largest single-day demonstration in the annals of American activism. From the nation's capital to cities across the globe, women and allies stand shoulder to shoulder, a human quilt of solidarity against the cold winds of change. Amongst the throng, Gloria Strongarm raises her banner high, emblazoned with the words, Equality Now. She declares, 
This isn't just a march, it's a marathon for justice. As Gloria speaks, her voice echoes down avenues and alleyways, reverberating off buildings that have long stood silent to such cries. The new administration watches as a kaleidoscope of causes cascade down Pennsylvania Avenue. It's not just women's rights that march today, but immigration reform, healthcare reform, LGBTQ rights, all stepping to the beat of democracy's drum. So as the sun sets on this historic day, it's clear that while these marchers may disperse, their message will not dissolve into the dusk. Rather, it will rise with tomorrow's dawn, relentless and resounding. Melody Wintergreen reporting for Newsbang. Newsbang, taking the heat off the truth with a cold shower of facts. Our roving travel correspondent, Polly Beep, has been delving into the world of air travel. With the Concorde supersonic transport soon to retire, she's exploring what this means for passengers and airports alike. In the sweltering summer of 1776, the skies are buzzing with excitement. We've just received word that the Concorde supersonic transports are about to be retired. Yes, that's right. This flying machine is saying au revoir to its passengers and hangar buddies alike. So if you're hopping on board the A30 in London or the B35 near Orly Airport in Paris, expect a whopping amount of well-dressed businessmen carrying briefcases and furious ladies clutching their tiniest dogs. They'll all be swarming these airports like hornets over honey. And speaking of airports, brace yourselves for congestion. Both Heathrow and Orly will be jam-packed as people flock to catch one last ride on this magnificent bird. It's an aviation frenzy we haven't seen since Lindbergh crossed the Atlantic. For those stuck in traffic near London's A41 or Paris's B15, you might want to take a detour towards the nearest television set. Because if there was ever a time to watch an emotional farewell montage while sitting in your car, it's now. In other news, we've heard reports of a stowaway cat causing havoc on board a Tupolev 2144 over Brazil. As you can imagine, it's not going down well with the crew or passengers who are still recovering from being mistaken for cheeseburgers during breakfast service. And lastly, on what will become known as the A27 in Brighton later this century, traffic has come to a standstill due to everyone trying to catch a glimpse of yet another marvel of human ingenuity. Dr. Johnson's talking dictionary. Who needs Themis Restaurant when you have such delightful wordplay right here? Until next time, safe travels and remember, not all who wander are lost, but most likely stuck in traffic. 1981. Here with a report on the DeLorean Motor Company's latest innovation, the DeLorean sports car, is Calamity Prenderville. She'll take us through the drama surrounding the company's founder and the car's futuristic features. It's the year 1981 and British innovation is at it again. In Northern Ireland, a place known for its rolling hills and picturesque landscapes, the DeLorean Motor Company has unveiled a marvel of modern engineering. The DeLorean sports car, 
a sleek and shiny stainless steel beauty, is rolling off the production line. It's like something out of a sci-fi movie, but it's real, and it's all thanks to British ingenuity. But as with any great British invention, there's always a bit of drama. The company's founder, John DeLorean, finds himself in hot water over a drug trafficking scandal. But never fear, he's acquitted, and the DeLorean lives on. The DeLorean is the only car ever produced by the company, but it's a doozy. It's got gull-wing doors that open up like a bird taking flight. It's like something out of a James Bond movie. And let's not forget about Northern Ireland, where this technological wonder is being built. It's part of the United Kingdom and shares a border with the Republic of Ireland. But who needs borders when you have a car that can travel through time? Well, at least in the movies it can, but just imagine it. You're zipping down the road in your stainless steel marvel when suddenly you find yourself in another era. So whether you're in Northern Ireland or Timbuktu, keep an eye out for this British innovation. It may not be able to take you to the future, but it will certainly turn heads wherever you go. News bang. Cutting through the crap with a sharp sort of satire. 1789. And in a literary revelation, the year is 1789, and the first American novel, The Power of Sympathy by William Hill Brown, has hit the shelves. A sentimental tale that warns of seduction's perils and champions' moral education and rational thinking. It seems Brown had quite the penchant for penning cautionary tales as he also penned Harriet, or The Domestic Reconciliation, and an essay titled The Reformer. Now, to delve deeper into this literary milestone, we turn to our resident culture correspondent, Smithsonian Moss. Now, at this point of the evening, we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Waho, culture vultures. It's your main squeeze, Smithsonian Moss, dishing out the deets on a throwback that's got more dust on it than your grandma's attic. Let's wind the clocks back to 1789 when quills were sexier than keyboards and the hot goss was penned on parchment, baby. So there's this cat named William Hill Brown, right? And he drops what's like the OG American novel, The Power of Sympathy. It's got more drama than a Kardashian family reunion and more tears than a season finale of The Bachelor. This book is like the Fifty Shades of Grey for the powdered wig set but with less kink and more moral fiber. Billy Brown gets all up in our business with tales of seduction, scandal, and the downright dangers of letting your loins do the thinking. It's a cautionary tale, peeps. Like, don't text your ex at 2 a.m., but with more these and thous. He's preaching the gospel of keeping it in your pantaloons unless you want to end up a hot mess express. And get this, Brown's all about the ladies getting their learn on. He's like, Listen up, gals. Don't be a fool for some dude with a fancy horse. He's pushing for women to get their heads crammed with brains instead of boys. Talk about being woke before it was a hashtag. But Billy Boy doesn't stop there. He's also got this other novel, Harriet, or The Domestic Reconciliation, which is basically the real housewives of the 18th century. And if you're thirsty for more, he's got essays like The Reformer, where he's dishing out life pro tips like a colonial Dr. Phil. So, let's raise our goblets to William Hill Brown, 
the man who started the American Novel Party. And remember, next time you're swiping right, think of Billy and keep it tight. Keep it sassy. Keep it classy. And for the love of all that's holy, keep it rational. Waho! News Bang, revealing the shocking truth behind the headlines. And just time for a look at tomorrow's papers. The Times Supreme Court backs down on abortion rules. The Guardian opt for New Guinea finally surrenders to allies in Bunagona. The Mail, first indigenous leader sworn in as president of Bolivia. That's it, a warning from Scotland Yard. They say there's an important new factor which is likely to increase the risk of domestic crime, at least in some areas. The new factor is daylight saving time. It begins this weekend. But remember, clocks go forward so we'll all be robbed later. That's all from us tonight. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.